And uh, it's so imperative for you to leave here knowing that. One of the big things that I want to remind you today, and, and it's just a word that you leave here with, is when you find yourself in difficult moments, lean into God. Tell your neighbor, lean into God. So it's important for us to realize that in the next uh, couple of weeks, we're going to be talking about um, a particular sermon series that we're starting out. And, and I want to encourage you to be here next week. I want to encourage you to bring your family and your friends. How many of us sometimes feel stuck? Like, like spinning our wheels, like, like you know, you know, what's, you know like, like, what's next? What's happening here? What's going on? You know, and um, I, I want to encourage you that part of this sermon series is to get you to realize that, you know, that there will be moments in our lives where we feel stuck. That there will be moments in which we find ourselves, you know, hard-pressed because of life. But I want to let you know something, that there are people all over the world who are living this abundant life. There are people all over the world who are being healed. There are people all over the world that are being delivered. There are people all over the world that are learning to uh, financially be solvent and be good stewards of what God has given them. There are relationships that are being restored. There are children that are being raised up in the Lord. And there's one variable that seems to be missing with some that are not, and that's believing God. Believing God at his word. If God says it, then God is faithful to his word. And what he says in his word, you better believe it will not return void. And if you trust him, lean into him, and hold on to his word in the midst of whatever's going on in your life, just know that God is faithful. That God is faithful and he can be trusted. Amen? Amen. As it is a uh, good habit in this church, we stand at the reading of the word, so I'm going to encourage you to stand. I know Louisa mentioned something about your phones and iPoding and all that stuff, and that's all cool if that's what you're doing with the message, but if you're doing anything else, I have a problem with that. So I'm going to ask you to silence your phones, to take a pen, a paper, write some stuff down as God begins to speak to us. I think that there are a place and time for everything, and when we come to church, it's about God, right? And uh, I want to encourage you to... um, Allow moments like this to be a time in where God speaks to you and you come to God knowing that you lack and that you need. Um, the scary part about some of us uh, is that we think we got it going on. Uh, not in this church, okay? But it's important for us to realize that we need more of God and less of ourselves. Um, someone told me just the other day, Get out of the way, you know, you know, get out of the way, you know, um, and let God be God. And, you know, you hear that sometimes becomes a cliche and stuff like that, but it's not a cliche, you know, um, and you're going to see as we unfold uh, the message today. But we're going to be reading from Exodus chapter three, verses one through eight. It'll be on the screen. We're going to read it together as its custom is in our church. How many know that Exodus means exit? How many know that Exodus means deliverance? And just the word alone inspires me because it's almost like someone's going to be delivered today. Someone's going to find a way out of a situation today. And it's important for us to really understand that, that as we go through the word of God, that Genesis is the book of beginning, but Exodus is about exiting, getting out of the situations that we're in. You know, sometimes we may have to put our running shoes on. 
to run. You know, ladies, you wear your high heels when you want to be fashionable. But if you want to catch a subway, you take them off, don't you? So I think it's important for us right now just to allow God to speak into our lives. And we're going to read the word of God together. Amen? Loud. How many know that we stand in reverence to God? It's not religious calisthenics. It's not up and down, up and down here. It's we're going to stand, we're going to read God's word, and allow it to resonate in our souls. Amen? On the screen. You ready? One day, Moses was tending the flock of his father-in-law, Jethro, the priest of Midian. He led the flock far into the wilderness and came to Sinai, the mountain of God. There, the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a blazing fire from the middle of a bush. Moses stared in amazement. Though the bush was engulfed in flames, it didn't burn up. This is amazing, Moses said to himself. Why isn't that bush burning up? I must go see it. When the Lord saw Moses coming to take a closer look, God called to him from the middle of the bush, Moses, Moses, here I am, Moses replied. Do not come any closer, Lord warned. Take off your sandals, for you are standing on holy ground. I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. When Moses heard this, he covered his face because he was afraid to look at God. Then the Lord told him, I have certainly seen the oppression of my people in Egypt. I have heard their cries of distress because of their harsh slave drivers. Yes, I am aware of their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the power of the Egyptians and lead them out of Egypt into their own fertile and spacious land. It is a land flowing with milk and honey. May God bless the hearing and reading of his word. You may be seated. This portion of scripture always fascinates me. A burning bush that doesn't burn. Some say that maybe the heat of the back of Sinai causes a man to hallucinate, but then God takes it up a notch higher. He speaks out of this burning bush. And it's this dialogue and this conversation that God begins to reveal some things about himself. And, and I want to share some of those things as we continue to move forward in our talk today. I'm encouraged by the amount of people that are here. I'm encouraged by the people that consistently keep coming. But some of us are stuck. Some of us have been around for a little bit and we're still dibbing and dabbing in the same things. If you're in Christ, you are free. If you are in Christ, you are free. The grace of God and the gift of faith allow us to be free. So there are people who are living this abundant life. There are people who are uh, recovering. There are marriages being restored. There are children growing up praising the Lord. There is a remnant of people in this country who are saying no to the things of this world and yes to God. 
You speak about the abundant life and you wonder, like, where, where, where's this abundant life for me? And I find that that variable that's missing in all of our lives is whether we will believe God or not believe God. I'm going to side on the side of believing God. Only because he is not man that he would lie to me and he can be trusted. And he is faithful. So in the midst of everything that goes on, if anything you leave with here today, lean into God. Lean into God. He will not, you know, uh, set you aside or, you know, you smell or you, you're no good. God will always embrace you. Amen? Amen. And in this dialogue, what we see is there's several things that I want to share with you. You can't miss it in this series as we come. I want you to invite your friends, your families. I want you to show up next week. I want you to occupy the same seat. In fact, I'm taking a mental picture. Okay? In case your seat is unoccupied, I want to make sure. All right? Maybe we need to put the house lights on. I want to see people. We put the house lights on a little bit. All right. Because just in case some of you fall asleep. How many know this is not the place to sleep? Especially when I'm up here. Because I got a rock over here, you know? <laughs> but there are some things we have to see in this conversation. The first thing I want to let you know is that with man, it is impossible. In other words, sometimes we get stuck because we try doing it on our own strength. We try to fix things on our own. We try to restore relationships and manage our finances and talk in a particular way and act in a particular way. And all we do is fall on our faces on a regular basis. So here's the key to this conversation that you see. With man, it is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. Amen? The natural realm doesn't uh, oversee God. God controls the natural realm. He told the sun to be still. He parted the Red Sea. He sent manna from the sky. Water was drawn from a rock. People that were once captive were set free. So it's important for us to realize that in the very beginning, God has existed. And even after you and I are long gone, he will exist. So it's important for us to realize, first and foremost, that he can't be trusted. So I'm going to encourage you again. Lean into God. I don't know what your situation is. I don't know what you're going through. But I know this, that you're believing a lie if you're stuck. You're believing a lie if you're spinning your wheels. You're believing a lie if you've been around for a little bit and your life is ineffective. Because the power of God, for those who are in Christ, lives within you. And if the power of God lives within you, and he parted Red Sea, and he stopped the sun, and he led the captives free, you should be free. So it's important for us to see that. The next thing we see is that God is holy. And he calls his people to holiness. He says, be ye holy for I am holy, save the Lord. Now some people hear this and they say, well, you know, I don't feel too holy. And it doesn't mean that you wear wings and a halo and walk around floating around singing hallelujah. If you did that, I'm going to ask you what you're on. This holiness is a life of consecration. It's a life in which we're turning away from the things of this world and embracing the things that God has for you. I want to encourage you to bring God pleasure with your life. That you would put a smile on the face of God on a regular basis. 
that you would be encouraged to know that God loves you. That in the midst of everything you go on, God loves you. And some of you are still trying to run on your own power. And that power is limited. It runs out. You get tired, don't you? You get tired of trying. You get tired of trying to get someone to fall in line or do what you want them to do. How many know you can't change anyone? How many know that the only one that needs to change is you? And the only one that can affect that change is Jesus Christ. And that change cannot be affected unless you draw near to him. The Bible says that those who draw near to him, he would draw near. And it's so important for us to be able to do that. I want to press in. I want to bring pleasure to God. So I want to shed these things in my life that are causing me so much hardship. Listen to me. You can't fix people. You can't. Husbands, you can't fix your wives. I tried. And wives, you can't fix your husbands. Only God can do that. Only God can do that. I heard a testimony just the other day about a couple in which infidelity had taken place. This husband was overbearing and control freak, and the wife had to sneak out in the middle of the night. And for four months, she hid from him. But in those four months, she went to God and said, God, I love this man, but I need you to break him. I need you to break him. Because there's one thing of us being open about where we are, but if there's no brokenness, then your openness is just you dumping on me. You feeling good about telling me what you did. And along the way, that's all she did. No contact, nothing. And God grabbed a hold of him and began to deal with him. And today, for the glory of God, they're back together. See, God has to do something in the midst of where you are, and you will miss it. If you continue to focus on your self-centeredness, on your selfish behavior about you, 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 gimme, 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 what about me mentality. So God calls us to be holy. And that means that we turn away from this world and turn towards him. If you're anything like me, I turned away and ran towards him. I fled my past life. And to this day, sometimes I run into people. And they look at me up and down to see if I'm still the same guy. And I say, it's okay. Do not be afraid. (laughs) I love those words. (laughs) I am for you. (laughs) You know, God is so good. Amen. Matthew 5.16 says, in the same way, let your light shine before others. That they may see your good deeds and glorify your father in heaven. How many of us know that we've been created for good works? Since the beginning, since the foundation of the world, you've been created for good works, good deeds. So all the bad you've done, somebody else was leading you. 
You were following someone else. You went totally against the word of God when God says, I've created you for good works, for good deeds. Amen? First Peter 2.12 says, live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits. And that's a very powerful statement there because I don't know about you, but I've been accused of doing something wrong. Even being in the will of God, I've been accused of doing something wrong. And I don't know how that makes you feel, but I got a soundproof office and I got boxing gloves and I take it to the mat. And I do all I got to do in my office. So when I come down, the love of God is expressed through me. And he's saying, well, that sounds a little crazy. Well, that's why you joined the gym, isn't it? To exhaust yourself. At least I hope so. See, I want to exhaust myself in the presence of God. I want brokenness to happen in my life so that I can be transformed and therefore bring glory to God. And it's so important for us to understand that. Amen? The other thing is that God is aware of our sufferings. God is aware of our sufferings and hear our cries. How many times you find yourself stuck in a situation and you're saying, God, but you're not hearing me. God, oh, are you hearing me, right? You shake your fist and you say, God, where are you? Where are you in this situation? But in Genesis chapter 21, verses 17 to 18, when Abraham put Hagar aside, and she wound up in this real difficult place in which she was, you know, ready to die, her son was dehydrated, here's what God says. In verse 17 in Genesis chapter 21, it says, God heard the boy crying. And the angel of God called to Hagar from heaven and said to her, what is the matter, Hagar? Do not be afraid. I love those words. You know, those words appear in the Bible because a lot of us still fear. We don't only fear, you know, the boogeyman. But we fear even this life that God is offering us. And this life that God gives us. Some of us even sometimes say, God, you know, you're taking away all the fun from my life. I was, watch this, I was better off over there. Imagine that you would say that. That in the midst of a difficult moment, you would desire to be back there rather than here. And the grace of God says, do not be afraid. God has heard the boy crying as he lies there. How many of us sometimes have lied prostrate in the presence of God? Or maybe in a hospital bell, in bed, or in a jail cell, or in an office, or at the other end of an interviewer, wondering if we're going to get the job and we're lying there. We're saying, God, I really need this. Do you know that God knows everything that you need? And that he doesn't suffer from dementia. And he hears your cry. I had a mother who cried. Her cry was simple. Do something for my son. She wasn't a devout follower of Jesus Christ. 
In fact, we had this wonderful picture of a blue-eyed, blonde-haired, white guy in a robe that hung over this big Bible that was open to one thing and it had a crucifix. She never went to church. But she cried out to God. And God heard her. For 25 years now, I've been walking with Christ. And because of that, my children have never seen me walk into the house drunk, stupor, using drugs. And they've seen the most profound thing happen in our home, which is for me to love their mother. You know, God says we've got to love the unlovable. And to see her love me, despite me. You know what I've learned to do lately? Give myself time out. Come on, parents. You know about time out, right? You're in time out. <laughs> it's a beautiful thing when you're able to give yourself time out, but you've got to give permission to people to give you time out, too. Where you allow people to speak into your life and say, you know what, you need a time out right about now. This is not too Christ-like. So I'm grateful for that. Amen? The other thing is that God has a plan, and he will make a way of escape. We're going to be seeing that in the next couple of weeks as we talk about Exodus. How many know that Moses fled the pleasures of an Egyptian palace and position? Well, we say fled because he became a murderer and a wanted person. But he gave up the pleasures of being in Pharaoh's house to be associated with his people. The hardship of his people, the day in and day out difficult things that happen in a person's life, Moses decided that he was going to do that. And as I read further, I realized that Moses wasn't named by his Hebrew mother. He was named by the woman that drew him out of the water, which was the daughter of Pharaoh. It's a very profound thing. And how many know that water is a symbolism of a new birth? So I'm so grateful for those people who are on the path to, to get baptized. It's an awesome thing. What you're saying to the world is that the old person no longer exists. The new person now lives. And it's important for us to realize that we have to die to ourselves and live for Christ. We can't do that. Some of us still want to resuscitate our old lives. We walk around giving CPR to the old me. You know? And God is saying, no, put that to death. Put that to death. And live anew so that the world would see that I am alive and well and you would be a representative of Jesus Christ on this earth. Amen? Amen. God has a plan and he will make a way of escape. You know why I know? Because in Jeremiah chapter 29 verse 11 it says so. And everybody knows this scripture if you've taken a couple of Bible classes. It says, for I know the plans I have for you. This is God speaking, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you. How many of us want to be prospered? Someone once told me that in order for you to prosper, you have to understand your purpose. Your purpose is that you've been created for good works and to glorify God. Your purpose is not to make money. Your purpose is not to build empires. Your purpose is to Glorify God in your good works, because faith without works is dead. And it's so important for us to embrace that. He says, plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you 
a hope in the future. How many of us, when we find ourselves stuck, can't see the light at the end of the tunnel? God sees it. God sees it. That's why you have to lean into God. When you find yourself in those situations, you have to lean into God. Listen to me. I've had people say no to me. I've had doors closed. I've had people run from me. God will not run from you. God will not run from you. On the contrary, there's a wonderful song that says he will run to you. The story of the prodigal son was just that. The father watched from afar to see his son coming back home. And he saw him from afar and he got up and ran towards him. But some of us, as God is running towards us, we run in a different direction. So we miss out this abundant life. We don't understand that God wants to prosper us, not to harm us. Listen to me. You cannot equate our heavenly father with your earthly father. You cannot do that. Because your earthly father fell short. I love my earthly father, but ooh, he has some bad information. Some real bad information. And he tried to project that on us. And the only way I had to learn to become a man was to come to Christ. Up until then, I had an idea of what a man was supposed to be. What this world projects on us and says, this is what you have to be. This is how you have to look. This is how you have to speak. When God came into my life, he did something radical. He turned my pockets upside down, took all my pain. He mugged me. Right? He really just... Identification. Some of you have been mugged, huh? But he did that to me. And he began to restore. And it was painful. Because there were some things I had to let go of. Are you listening? See, there's some of you here that have been around for a little while, but you're still holding on to some things. I'm not going to talk about the other church down the block. I'm going to talk about you sitting in your seat. There's no power in your life because you lack a connection with God. So you wear your crosses and tattoo your bodies and carry a Bible and look clean, but you're living dirty. And there's no power in your life when you live dirty. You can pick up the Christianese and you can fool me once, but you ain't fooling me twice. And God sees everything. So it's important for us to understand this. And listen, I love you guys. But I realize that as I travel throughout, you know, that there are people that are living this out. And, I'm, and I try to dig down and I try to find out well, what's missing. What's missing? And it's people believing God at his word. I mean, you, you believe Oprah, you believe Dr. Phil, you watch Jerry and Maury, and you believe them. And God's word has been around since before. And it will be around after. You and I are long gone. Kingdoms have been built on God's word. So it's important for us to realize God has a plan for you. To prosper you, not to harm you. And maybe you're feeling that way today. Maybe you find yourself in a place. The next couple of weeks, I want to talk to you about this place. It's a place where faith goes to die or be revived. 
It is a place of influx, a place between what we think we know and what is promised. Both of them are desirable, but only one promised. Some of us know a life and it's kind of desirable because we think we have it going on. We got some clothes, you know, we got some money, we got a car, we got this, we got that. But there's a life that God has promised us. And oftentimes in traveling towards that life, we get stuck in this place called the land between. The land between is that place where we have to find God in difficult transitions. I want to be able to share with you because it is a place of discomfort, a place where one grows weary. Now, there's one thing to be tired, right? When you get tired, you sleep. But growing weary, the Bible reminds us that we should not grow weary of doing good. Because I know something that when I'm weak, his strength is perfected in me. When I feel like I can't go on, and I cry out to God, he gives me the strength to go on. And I don't know if any of you have experienced that, where you feel like, I just, God, I, I just can't, I can't do this anymore. I felt that way. I felt that way plenty of times where I, I want to quit. We've had these conversations. I've got people in my life that we can have these conversations, and I'm grateful that, you know, they slap me and tell me, wake up, get up out of it. But it's not that that encourages me is, in the midst of what I'm going through, you get a phone call from someone who needs help. You put on your shoes one at a time. Put your pants on, put a couple of dollars in your pocket, and you travel wherever you got to travel to go help. And God gets the glory. And I got to tell you, when I do that, my complaining... My griping, my murmuring makes me weep. Because if you're here, you're blessed. If you're still around, despite all the stuff that's gone on in your life, you're blessed. So yeah, maybe you find yourself stuck in this place right now where nothing is really going on. Maybe you got a report from the doctors. Maybe somebody tell you, I don't love you no more. I don't want to be with you no more. Maybe you only got a dollar in your pocket right now. Maybe you don't got a job. Maybe you don't got a place to stay. But in this land in between, there is a place where you can grow weary or a place of rejoicing. And a greater praise where our feeble hands can be strengthened. In the next couple of weeks, I'm not going to offer you three quick steps to the abundant life. I'm not. This place will reveal something about you. If you're stuck in a place, it's going to reveal something about you. About your praise, about your worship, about who you're leaning into and who you're trusting in. You see, it's easy for us to praise God when everything's going good. Isn't it? We're all hallelujah, highly favored, blessed, full of the Holy Ghost, thank the Lord. Right? But then we get squeezed or pinched or get a pink slip. Or, it's like, whoa, God. 
And you're going to see in the next couple of weeks, whether it's Moses, Jeremiah, Elijah, or any other man in the Bible, in the midst of the powerful moments that they spent with God, each one of them said, God, why don't you just kill me? Imagine that. Wow. That's, that's like the end of the rope. That's like you telling God, God, you don't know what you're doing. You can't handle this. Right? And God is saying, are you kidding me? The greatest thing I've done for you is to offer you a way of salvation. You don't have to go to hell. And if you're here today and you've been invited for the first time and you're hearing this message, God loves you. And hell is a real place. And I don't have this world pictures it and you see these movies and everybody escapes from hell. There is no escaping from hell once you wind up there. And hell was not made for you. It was made for those fallen angels who decided that they were going to not only disobey God, but act a fool even further. And salvation today knocks on your door if you don't know Christ. For those of you who are in Christ and still being fools, salvation is available for you too. Time to recommit and repent and turn from your wicked ways and run to God. And allow him to do what he does best. Amen? So this place is called the land between. As I invite you on this journey in the next couple of weeks, it's going to shed some light about maybe where you currently are and where God is leading you to. You ever try to get a kid to go take a shower? Like the shower is good for him, right? But they go kicking and screaming. Like, ah, oh, water, no, no, right? And God is trying to lead us somewhere. And some of us are that, like that child who doesn't want to get clean. Some of us don't want to get clean. Some of us want to claim being clean, but want to live dirty. Woo! I, I, didn't, I didn't make that one up. It is in this place that God desires to make himself known to you. It is a place from what you have known and experienced to what is promised. The word of God reveals several things to me. One is, he's faithful. And he's a promise keeper. How many of us have had some promises broken to us? You know, the guy who promised you the moon and gave you pollution. <laughs> the boss who promised you a raise if you worked more hours only to give you a pink slip. The guy who sold you a car and said, man, this is a good car. And you drive it off the lot <laughs> and it don't work no more. God's a promise keeper. But here's what I do know. He's a God of movement. God meets you where you are, but doesn't want you to stay there. God meets you in your broken down state, lost, messed up, confused, and wants to take you somewhere. And it's a beautiful thing because where he's going to take you is a place where you can look back and say, 
That was me? (laughs) I did that? And God will take you to places that you did not want to go to. And he may be leading you to this place, this land between, to sort through some stuff that's going on inside you. Maybe your praise isn't what it should be. Maybe you're praising God because you got some things. I love when I travel because I see people who praise God and they got nothing. I was on my way here for sports affection hours and Mets fans will love this. Tim Hudson broke his ankle for the Atlanta Braves while a Met stepped over it. Yeah, oh, bendito, right? But his testimony this morning, in the midst of him wearing a cast, he says, man, too much is given, much is required. I cannot turn away from the need, and I'm just going to glorify God. Now, here's a guy whose season is over. He's going to watch as others probably go further. But it's not that which brings him pleasure. It's not his inability to throw a 90-mile-per-hour fastball or to win games. What brings him the most pleasure is to put a smile on the face of God. And it's so important for us to realize that. This place where faith goes to die or be revived is a place that if you don't look carefully, you're going to miss God's provision. When you're laying in that hospital bed, you're going to miss God's provision if all you're worrying about is how many tubes are coming out of you. How often you go see the doctor and they say, well, I can't find anything, we can't find anything. Well, oftentimes you hit a wall and you're wondering, God, what is going on? You're going to miss God's protection. You're going to miss the power of God working on our behalf to fulfill the purpose he has for us. God is a God of movement. He's leading you somewhere. Grab a hold of his hand and let him lead you out of those situations that you can't seem to get out of yourself. But it's going to take you to surrender. It's going to take for you to give up the reins of of leading to the greatest leader that ever lived, Jesus Christ. I study leadership like no other. I've read every leader, the greatest leader that I've ever, ever have read about is Jesus Christ. He'll lead you out of the muck and mire. He'll lead you out of darkness into the light. He'll lead you out of places that you, you yourself couldn't get out. He'll just show up. And he'll extend his hand and he'll say, come on, let's get out of here. Let's get out of here. Come on, come with me. And I want you to realize that this land between, you will miss it if you just stay focused on you. If you're just worried about you. If all you want to do is woe unto me. Why is this happening to me? I've read all 66 books. I can quote some scripture. On a Sunday, every... But you know what you're doing when you do that, right? You're negotiating with God. Ooh. 
you're negotiating with God. You, 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 you want to, uh, God, I'm going to do this, and you got to do this. God doesn't answer to you. God doesn't answer to me. In fact, it's a beautiful statement when he suddenly, you know, begins to speak to Job. He says, where were you when I created the heavens and the earth? Did I ask you permission? Imagine if he asked you permission. For some of you, you probably would have painted the sky a different color. Right? Maybe turn things upside down because you're all very creative. But everything is where it's supposed to be because God said that's where it's supposed to be. And how many know that you have been formed in the womb of your mother for good deeds and great works? It's beyond me why we settle for mediocrity so often. When greatness is within us. And there is a power like no other. I want to be able to define two words that will be coming up in the next couple of weeks that has come up today. The first word is transition. You can look this up. It's not a theologically profound definition. It's simply that a transition is a passage from one state, one stage, one subject, or one place to another. Transition. And some of you have to understand that sometimes in transition, you can't take everything you have. I recently learned that as I moved from one location to another. You transition, right? You have to evict Satan from your life and realize that in this transition, you can't take those old behaviors with you. It just doesn't fit. Like I have some real nice things, but after watching a show like Hoarders, I realize <laughs> like really, the, the, those shoes don't fit you no more. Uh, ladies, that dress don't fit you no more. Those earrings you thought were gold are turning your ear black. So there are things that as we make these transitions from one place to another, that we have to hold on to God's word and not the opinions of this world. This world will sell you a bell of goods. This world will tell you, keep that. Hold on to that. You're going to need it later. See, but you don't need that behavior over here. Because over here, you have to be able to glorify God. Over here, you glorified yourself and Satan. So as you evict Satan and you make this transition, you move. Don't take everything with you. You don't need that. Listen, some of you have some stinking thinking. Some of you just got some bad attitudes. I mean, really bad attitudes. And, and, and it, it befuddles me because I'm thinking, man, wow, if you've been with Christ, why are you still holding on to that? And then as I go deeper, I realize that there hasn't been no forgiveness in your life. There hasn't been no repentance in your life. But you look Christian. Y'all look Christian. But let me poke you. Let me jump the line when you're hungry. Let me cut you off in traffic. 
and see what comes out of you. So this place, this land between, this place of transition, remember that it's a place where your faith either goes to die or be revived. It's important for us to realize that. And then this definition of difficult, hard to do, hard to make or carry out, hard to deal with, manage or overcome, hard to understand. Something's got to happen in your life. You have to be able to surrender and believe God's word. Now, I'm gonna, we're going to put a video and play a video. I need you to pay close attention to the words that are sung and the words that are on the screen, and then I'll come up and we'll close. Amen.